Okay, so I've had something in my spirit for several weeks for the new year. Um, uh, last year, the Lord really impressed to me that we needed to go through Chris Valton's Supernatural Ways of Royalty. And so we went that, that book study. And uh, it was something that um, I felt um, in the year before that, that this was coming. This was coming. We need to hit this right on the head and talk about identity, that we're no longer a pauper, but we're a prince. We're no longer have a mentality of slavery, but we are royalty. We're sons and daughters of a king. And uh, that's the way we should carry ourselves and the way we should live in our, in our environments, in our workplace. Well, likewise, um, for this year, the Lord put something in my spirit for the first of the year. And uh, I think the timing on it is spot on. I've had several confirmations on it. And so what we're talking about this month, actually, is really, i got to tell you, it's just with, with the heart of conviction uh, for me, uh, just believing that this is the Lord, and I think the timing is, is for now. You know, and we're living in like a time when, you know, we can't really waste our words. We can't really waste our times getting together just to flip out, you know, some sermon we found on the internet. Like, it's time to hear the Lord and share what, what the word of the Lord is saying. Like, what is God saying right now? Because we need now words for our life because the, our day-to-day is so uh, unpredictable. I mean, you don't know what's what you're going to see in the news. You don't know what's you're gonna, what, what's going to pass in the city. You don't know what's changing. And so uh, I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about the revelation of giving. The revelation is something that um, that it, that we all have to step into. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, um, but there are different people groups that operate in different measures of revelation. There are some people who are who are prophets and they're seers, and they will operate in this high level of the prophetic. And they just have a revelation in the prophetic. They've had an encounter with God about the prophetic. They've had an encounter with God about seeing. And, the, and so therefore, because they've had great revelation, there's great gifts and great anointing that flows to that. Likewise, a lot of our denominational brothers and sisters, a lot of people have just a strong revelation on identity. And can preach, you know, Romans 6 like nobody's business. And, uh, and can get people out of sin and just living a victorious Christian life. Like there's practical things that people, you know, you can see, you know, that there are, are Benny Hens in the world who have this high gift of healing. And there are others who have this measure of healing. And there are this others that have no measure of healing operating in their life. Like it's the same truth that is across each of them. It's the same truth that Isaiah 53, 5, by his stripes were healed. But each people group is walking in a different measure of revelation of the same truth. And so I want to talk about not the theology of giving, but the revelation of it. Uh, Giving is something that me and Kayla have have grown up around and we've experienced. You know, we do have some practical theological points we want to make throughout the month. And on Wednesday, we're going to Wednesdays, we're going to talk about a lot of practical things for financial stewardship. But um, but I wanted to share kind of our journey. Like, how did we end up thinking the way that we think? Uh, Because we get blessed from it. Like it, it, it fuels into our life. There's not, I'm, we're not the king of, of every mountain of revelation. You know, I don't have signs and wonders following me all, every, every day or something like that. We declare it, we speak it, we seek to desire it, but it's not happening yet. It's not happening. So what I can do is I can bring you as far, far as I am and, and giving, but I'm telling you, we, we've seen some real, real things happen with it. Matthew chapter six, verse 19 uh, opens up on this. Do not, lay for your, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There is no subject that I could bring up that triggers a response, like the subject of money. Like it, there is a response that comes out of people. I get an attention from people that I don't get uh, from other topics. When you talk about money, people are like, you know, that all ears are, are tuned in. You know, I've had, you know, Theo was here one time. We had a couple guys start snoozing off and I say, wake up, guys. It's time to wake up. I don't have that problem when we talk about money. Like money is like an attention grabber, you know. And uh, the reason being is that verse in Matthew six twenty one uh, that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Money affects every part of our life. It, it touches our family. It touches our home. It touches our day to day. It touches touches our kids, it touches our planning for tomorrow. You know, it, it, can, it can help us feel that we're free or we can feel that we're bound. We can feel like we can do something or we can feel like we can't do something. Like money affects our lives. So when we talk about it, that's why we have this response. Throughout scripture, you see a couple of major themes. You know, if you, as we're reading the Bible this year, the one main theme that you're going to see is the message of salvation and the message of redemption of mankind to God that God desires to redeem sinful man into right relationship with him. It's a story throughout the entire Bible from this cover to this cover. We're going to see that story. But there's a second message in there, and that's the message of stewardship. Jesus spoke on finances more than any other subject that they talked about, more than heaven or hell, more than healing, more than the commission. He talked about stewardship. You know, stewardship matters. How we handle natural mammon, how we handle natural things. When natural resources come into our hands, how do we govern that? How do we master that? Do we plan for it? Are we just a a day-to-day kind of person? Are we just making it to the end of the day? Are we just making it to the next two weeks? Are we making it to the end of the month? Are we making it by the year? Are we making it by the next five years? You know, you can see... In the world, obviously, there are several different classes of people with different amounts of money. Some are operating, I'm, I'm barely making it. Others, I'm, I'm buying up properties and they're stressed about, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make my, all my 10 properties going to be up this month, you know, and they're nervous about that. The other person's nervous about, I don't know if I'm going to buy milk today, you know. So people can operate in different measures of stewardship. And so uh, this is something that I feel like God's calling us into. Um, Luke 18, 8 says, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So when Jesus returns, he's looking for people operating in faith, people operating and receiving the promises of God, all of the promises of God, not just one area, but all of them, like they should be active and happening. And so I wanted to, a reason why I have a whiteboard here today is because I want to draw out something. And this is, this is a cyclical process. That if you practice it, it'll work in any area of your heart for specific revelation. Like if you need to grow in healing and you need to see people healed or you need to grow in, in, in giving or, or deliverance or, or whatever, you have a specific area. If you'll follow this pathway, you'll see a breakthrough in your life. Uh, some areas that we've been able to see breakthrough. Uh, I know Heidi, she has got such a breakthrough on praying for the deaf. Not just praying for the sick, but praying for deaf ears to be opened. When she goes to villages and she preaches, when she gets there, she just says, bring me your deaf. She's seen so much breakthrough. She just says, bring me your deaf. The deaf come, they open up all the deaf ears, and suddenly they want to hear what she has to say. Well, you know, now, not everyone does that. You know, I didn't show up today and say, bring me your deaf. 
You know, I mean, uh, when we go out to McGoffin, I don't necessarily say, bring me your death. But there's a measure of something that she's tapped into in the realm of healing, specifically with deaf ears, that she sees deaf ears open. That is obtaining walking in a promise of God. That she's now persuaded. Persuasion is a powerful word. That when you take what you believe, and it's no longer something you just think, but you are now persuaded that this is the truth, it causes fruitfulness. It causes things to happen. Heidi shows up and says, bring me your death. You know, I, I don't see people pulled out of wheelchairs all the time, but I've prayed for people that come out of wheelchairs. I've, prayed, I've seen some deaf people healed. I've seen more deaf healed people probably than, than most. And so I've got faith for, for deaf ears. When I see deaf ears, I'm going to go after it. And I've got, I've, there's a measure of persuasion that it's not just something I believe, but I am persuaded that this deaf ear is going to open. I don't see, I'm not, I'm not batting 100% right now, but I mean, I'm, I, see, I see a good bit. Well, what is that? That is getting persuaded about a thing. And so getting persuaded in finances is huge. So I'm going to give us the process. This is a process of, of revelation and how it works. So one, we have our initial, our promise uh, up top. So the promise is given. Um, then we have what we call the, the believing and speaking portion. This is why you hear Kayla, why she's so adamant. You know, given declarations this morning. This is Second Corinthians, uh, Corinthians four thirteen. I believe, therefore, I spoke. Is that is a, a tremendous aspect? You know, Kayla's like, hey, let's believe this and let's speak it. And uh, sadly, a lot of people stop here. A lot of people don't ever get there, but a lot of people stop here. You know, we hear the promises. The Bible says that this, that the demons believe and tremble. The demons make it here. But one day they will confess that Jesus is Lord. Um, uh, but the promises are given. We come into the realm of believing and speaking. And there is a next step that, that is required for us, and that is taking action. This is why we started seeing breakthrough in healing. And why we started seeing breakthrough in words of knowledge. Because before I started doing treasure hunts, I never had words of knowledge. Or if I did, I didn't recognize it when they happened. But when I started to make a conscious effort to, to believe God for words of knowledge, they start happening. And, uh, but taking action, you get a promise, believe it and speak it. And then there is a physical step that you have to take. And when you take that physical step, be it in deliverance, healing, whatever we're going after, this is part of the cycle. Um, uh, the next one, after taking action, is you have an experience. You know, this is a big deal um, that our faith leads us to an experience. You know, a, a lot of times, if we don't feel something, you know, in an experience, if we don't feel it, uh, we doubt that the promise is true. Uh, sometimes people will say, oh, you don't need to have a feeling. You need to just be believing and speaking. And uh, you say, well, I'm after an experience. And so oh, we're not after believing in experience. We're, we're faith people. We believe in and it's not true. It's not a one or the other. It's, it's a both and, both and. You have a promise. You believe and speak the promise. You take a step of faith. And then you have a physical experience. You should, you should have an experience with the presence of God. You should, you should feel his presence either, either tangibly or a, a conviction of a knowing. You know, some people, I think it was uh, Matthew that says, hey, I, I never feel anything. But there is a conviction and a knowing in your spirit. And that counts. 
You know, my father, uh, he prays for the sick all the time. He gets people healed all the time. And I say, Dad, you know, when you pray for the sick, what do you, what do you feel when that's happening? Like, do you, do you like tangibly feel something on your body? Because I, I, I feel it. Like, it's on my, on my hands. I can feel it. That there is a presence here for healing, and there's, it's, it's time to pray. Somebody needs healing in their body. I can feel a presence on my hands, and I go lay hands on them. I said, Dad, what do you feel? I said, I don't feel anything. So you just pray. So yeah, I just have faith. So oh okay, it's great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thanks, Dad. Appreciate, appreciate the advice. Like yeah, no, just have faith. Like oh yeah, yeah, that's right. We just have faith. And and so whether you, for him it wasn't wasn't this like dramatic feeling on his body. It was just a conviction that I know this is truth. What he what he's gotten into is this realm here called persuasion. Does anyone know how to spell that? I hope that's right. Uh, persuasion. Once you get into the realm of persuasion, it opens up the supernatural. It opens up the promises of God. I'm telling you, like, this is a good thing to screenshot and take and, like, check yourself. Like, if you're not experiencing a promise, look at your life. Are you believing and speaking it? Are you taking action on what you believe? Are you having an experience? Why do we need to have an experience? Because we need to be able to have a measurable account of what happened. When I pray for people, I say, how, how bad was your pain? They'll say, oh, it's a 10, 10, level 10 pain. So, okay, well, how is your pain now? Oh, it's a nine. You know, that, that nine is not something for me to go home and feel bad about. And I can pray 20 times, oh, it's still a nine. But I go home and I know that that person had a 10 pain and it dropped from a nine. So what now I have is something that's measurable, something that I can look at and see I have had an experience. And when I see that that dropped one point, that gives me a plus one over here in persuasion. I'm starting to think, you know what? I didn't see a breakthrough today. The person didn't get up out of the wheelchair. The person didn't throw away the crutches. But that pain dropped from a 10 to a 9. You know what I have is persuasion. This is the process uh, of that experience. And so, uh, you know, and so you can see it in, in... in the lives of believers that there are people who operate in different measures of things. Um, so I wanted to share with y'all today kind of our journey with finances because I feel like finances is huge right now in this moment. Like we need to be receiving the promises of finances. We need to be having breakthroughs. We need to be having new streams of income. We need to be having to think about what do we do with what we have. We need to be thinking in those terms. You know, there was a time when, uh, where Kayla and I were just, we didn't have much. I found this old picture. I was going to show it and I forgot. But we were in, where we were in Juarez and, I was, and, and the picture is me and the kids and I've got Audrey. And I remember looking at myself in that picture and I would just, my clothes were like ratty in the picture. Like I looked like I was homeless. And I realized that a, a spirit of poverty had, had come on me. And I was just looking and I looked at that picture and thought, man, that looks so horrible. And, uh, and so we kept it because I wanted to remember that, man, that's, that was wild, a wild time in my life. But we have to transition out of that, that we can get out. We don't just have to get out of poverty. We can come to a place of stability. We can come to a place of stability and planning. We can come to a place of stability, planning, and legacy. We can come, the Bible says that the righteous man leaves up an inheritance for his children's children. And so it's one thing to be planning your month or planning your year, but what about planning for the next generation? I mean, the, one of the mysteries in the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15 is that the youngest son, when he went to the father and asked for his inheritance, 
the father had it ready to give. I mean, how many parents are ready, have the inheritance set aside, and can continue living on whatever they're living on? And the father says, here you go, this was for you. And the other one, this is for you. He gave away two inheritances and he stayed stable. That's good stewardship. Like, that's, a, that's really powerful. Like, you know, handing off something. And so uh, my journey uh, and, and giving the earliest memory I can remember where I sowed a significant um, seed. I must have been maybe Jonathan's age or maybe a couple years old. It was probably like 16. But I was just really having this encounter with God and just like uh, understanding him. And, you know, I would go work. Uh, for my uncle's concrete company and we would make concrete and build blocks and we would do laying, building walls, kind of like our trails work, but it was like wall. But it was hard work for teenagers, you know, like it was, you're out making cement on the ground, that kind of stuff. And we would work and, you know, we'd raise money so we could go to Six Flags for the, for the summer or do something. Well, anyway, at some point, you know, in high school, fossil watches were a big deal, you know, we thought these fossil watches were so cool that they were silver and they were like had the links and they were blue in the middle and everyone had a fossil watch. So I got me this fossil watch and I thought it was the coolest thing. Like I, I don't remember how I got it, but I got it. And I remember uh, being at church one day and the pastor was talking about, uh, about giving, you know, doing the offertory messages like you do in traditional church. And uh, he they gave the offering, and the offering plate passed around. And when the offering plate came towards me, I remember thinking I didn't have any money. Like, I didn't have anything to put into the plate. And when the plate got to me, I pulled off my watch, and I put it in the plate. And of course, you know, it's not something... People, when, when you have those, like, loud plates that are, like, that real cheap metal, it's like, it sounds like you put 20 quarters in there, kind of sound... So you throw your watch in there, and then the person's not expecting it, so they're like this, you know. And anyway, they go and they have search church. Oh yeah, my parents did the accounting for the church, and uh, my mom uh, did all the numbers, and she just—that's how she served our church. Was she was the accountant? Well, um, uh, when it came time to count the offering, you know, they pull the offering plate and they pull out this watch, and the pastor sees it, and they're like, they're like, you know, what is this? And anyway, I guess my parents had recognized it, that it was mine. And um, the pastor saw it and he told, I think it was my dad, um, give this back to Adrian and tell him that God's going to bless him for this. And he did. My dad brought it back to me and said, you know, here's this. The pastor said, God's going to bless you for that. I said, okay, and I put my watch back on. And what, what happened to me was, I knew I had authority over that watch. I had a watch. That watch did not have me. That watch was not in charge of my life. I was in charge of the watch. And when I released it, it was, it was like, then I have authority over this. And God gave it right back to me. I mean, can you imagine like God telling Abraham, I mean, we put a watch on the thing. We think it's a big deal. Like, oh my gosh, he's talking about giving jewelry. No, no, no. God told Abraham to put his son on an altar and Take a knife and gut this kid. Joel, can you imagine that? (laughs) Wild stuff. And he's like this. And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. I see your heart. You can have your kid back. It's kind of like that. Adrian, I see your heart. God doesn't need a watch. God doesn't need, uh, you know, some cheap fossil watch. That's not what God needs. 
He's not in need. I mean, the streets are gold up there. You walk on gold. You know, and in Joshua 1, 3, it's every place the sole of your foot would tread that, that he's given unto us. Something about what's under our feet demonstrates what's under our authority. In heaven, when the gold is under your feet, one thing is certain is that you have authority over, over the highest wealth in this world. We have authority under our feet in heaven. It's a powerful thing. You know, um, I remember when I got married, um, going out to eat with some of Kayla's family. And we were out with a couple of their aunts and uncles. And uh, we went out to eat at some Mexican restaurant in Texas. And uh, while we were out to eat, you know, I snuck away to go pay the bill. And I thought, I'm going to buy everyone lunch. You know, I was like due to the family, like the newbie. You know, I thought, I'm going to go buy everybody lunch because I need to, I need to sew and I'm, I'm going to be a blessing yeah. to these people. Well, anyway, they were very successful people. And so when I went to go pay, one of the relatives, that an uncle, came up to me and said, Oh, Adrian, you don't have to do that. I can, I can take care of it. And he's a pastor. And I told him, I just got married. And I need to plant a seed in the ground. And he said, and he backed off. Okay. And he let me buy him lunch. Because that pastor was persuaded. He knew that I was persuaded. That I need to do something. So I needed this promise for me. I know there's healing, deliverance stuff. I needed this one. <laughs> I needed that big dollar sign right there. I needed some moolah because I didn't have any money. I was living in an attic with my wife at the moment with no windows. The house was as long as from this wall to about that wall. Maybe, maybe that corner over there. With no windows in the house. With a pregnant wife going upstairs. Like We needed help. 19 and 20 years old. And so... I knew the promise. We'd know to speak and declare over our stuff, but I needed to take an action. So I thought, I'm going to plant a seed and buy this family lunch. So I did. Well, after, when, we were, when we moved to Juarez, um, uh, we were looking for places to live. We, um, we were staying with some friends here in El Paso. They were, she was a pediatric surgeon. They had a giant house, and they had a place that was like a quarters that we could live in. And so we stayed there uh, on the weekends. We would come up on the weekend, stay there, and then go look for places to live in Juarez, and then go back to Comanche, Brownland, eight-hour trip. So we did that probably about two or three times, like several long trips, um, praying, looking for a place to live, trying to relocate our family, had no contacts, but like one or two, uh, just a handful of people we knew. Um, But we were trying to do this, and then when we found a place to live in Juarez, the landlord says, okay, this is where you're going to live. This looks great. And, but your deposit's due on Tuesday. This is like the week before. So like less than a week later, our deposit was due. And I think like, if I remember right, it was the deposit, the first month's rent, and like a water heater. Just close to like a thousand bucks is what we we're going to have to pay uh, in Mexico. And so like, great. We were so excited. We had an apartment and we're driving back and we're thinking, hey, this is awesome, but we don't have any money. We can't even pay him to come. Like we didn't have a thousand dollars to give him. Then we got our kids. We left everything. We had jobs, but we hadn't been working for a while now. And we're just going and speaking, living off whatever we could get from speaking, our mission support. And uh, that was it. You know, (laughs) it was tight. (laughs) And I remember them saying, you need a thousand dollars. And so we're going back. And while we're crossing the bridge from Juarez into El Paso, we get a phone call 
And the phone call was, hey, uh, it was from a pastor. And he said, hey, this other pastor, the guy, we bought him lunch. He gave me $1,000. And when he gave it to me, I knew it was for you. She said, praise God. We finished our cross back in the bridge and we thought, that's it. We made it. We're going to Juarez. We're coming. Like we're, leave, we're leaving our home and we're actually coming now. We've been trying to come and we've been knocking on the door of El Paso Juarez. We couldn't get in, but it's happening. The Lord just provided. You know what happened? We had an experience because we had planted a seed. I bought that guy lunch when we got married. And he didn't know it that when he gave that thousand dollars that it was going to come to me. But God knew when he gave that thousand dollars, it got redirected to me. And I reaped a harvest from buying him lunch when I was 19 years old, 19, 20 years old. Well, we reaped that harvest. And so what that does brings me into a place of persuasion. Now, when I see a need in my life that I say, man, I really like we're in need of a vehicle. Like we need a vehicle right now. We need to replace our current Sequoia. We need to do that. So what are we doing? We are praying, God, what seeds do we need to plant? We are sowing, but we are not sowing without this. We are sowing with persuasion because we've seen it again and again and again. We watched God show up. And this is, I'm telling you guys, this is like, this is a part of our life. This is a part of something, like if there's something we could gift you with, like this is what I want to give you, is like, is that thing a persuasion that I'm telling you we have seen the hand of God in planting seeds and reaping when you have a specific need. Um, another story I want to share. <laughs> yeah, when we went to, we had a couple missionaries, Joshua and Savannah. Um, y'all, y'all two would remember them. Um, uh, they were living far out near Fabens. Um, on the other side was, I think, Guadalupe over, over there. Um, well, anyway, in, in the town, there's this giant orphanage called Tapestries for Life. And it's huge. It's a monstrosity. A guy, this missionary, is like, he's made it his life work, his life's work to build this massive orphanage to take care of all these kids. Anyway, Josh and Savannah were kind of fellowshipping here with us, and, but they were, they're obviously in a mission, in a mission work, so they were kind of off and on. And, but they really wanted us to show us their, their place. So I said, okay, well, we'll go out there. And we, we crossed over and we go out to the Tapestries for Life and we see the, see the place. And it's extravagant, built with excellence. I mean, it's designed to house orphans. And like, it's an amazing work. Like, it's almost a sign in the wonder when you get there. Like, it is extravagant, you know. You feel like it's like Solomon's Temple for Orphans. Like, it is like unbelievable. Well, we get there. Um, um, we look at the place and we meet the director, the guy, the missionary. And uh, we talked with him for a little bit. And while we were there, we were living, we, he says, uh, you know, I just feel like I'm supposed to do this. And he pulls out his money and he gives us, as a, I remember the, the number, I think it was $81. It was in pesos and dollars and coins. He literally pulled out everything he had on his person. He said, I just feel like I'm supposed to do this. And we're just sitting there kind of like this, wide-eyed, like this. You know, they're putting money in our hands. I'm like, what is this guy doing? He's like, I just feel like I'm supposed to do this. I said, okay, okay, well, thank you. God bless you. And, you know, that is helpful. And we'll, we'll be able to use that for something, you know, groceries or keep our lights on or, you know, eat. Um, that'll be helpful. Thank you. And so we just blessed them. And he showed us the, this facility, and that was it. Well, uh, several weeks later, we decided we were, at that time, we, didn't, we weren't doing a church on Sundays. We were, I was either speaking in churches 
or, or traveling or doing leadership schools or doing Indian discipleship schools or, or something. We weren't doing church. We weren't doing this on a Sunday. And so when we had an open Sunday, we would usually try to go to Abundant Living. Like we'd go to Great to Faith. And because they have a good kids program, we thought we could take our kids. They can kind of get out of Mexico for a little bit and just hang out with other kids. It's a big church, so we can kind of just kind of hang out and no one's going to bug us. So it worked out well, <laughs> you know. And uh, so that's the way we thought. And, and so, and we like Charles. We love Charles. Charles is a good teacher. And, um, well, so we go. And on this Sunday, we see that missionary walking through the church. And I thought, hey, that's that guy. I told him, hey, that's the guy. He was just, he was like, give us, and he, but he was dressed up like for church, you know. So that's the guy. Anyway, we go and we sit up, up in the, you know, the high rise seats uh, for church that Sunday. And they have, you know, worship like they do. And, uh, and Charles stands up on stage and he says, hey, I want to, we're doing something special today. We want to call someone up on stage. And he calls up the director of Tapestries for Life, the guy that emptied out his pockets. And so y'all, he's talking to the church. So we want to sow into this and what they're doing. They're doing a powerful work for the kingdom. And he hands him a check for $30,000 on the stage. Was anyone there that day? You were there that day? Sounds familiar. I may have been. Yeah. 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 I want, I, want, I want to go to Brooklyn. I want, I want to see... It's a good church. <laughs> it's a good church. They, they, they told me it's, it's, it's a good church. Huh? They told me it's a good church, but, you know, but I never... Yeah, I never... It's a good teacher. It's a, it's a good church. It's a good church. They, 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 uh, they're doing Spanish. They might have a Spanish service, too. I'm sure they do. They don't pass over. Well, the, the point I wanted to make was this man... <laughs> this man emptied out his pockets in secret with nobody looking in Mexico. And we got to, the Lord bless us because we got to watch it. He emptied it all out to us. Then we went to, we went to church and we looked on stage and that man was handed a check for $30,000. You know what that did for us? We got gifted 81 bucks. That was nice. But we watched that man have an experience. And so it brought us into persuasion. And so God, I feel like God is, with His goodness, He is trying to convince us to be persuaded in the truth. Like, oh, I believe the truth, but is it really the truth? I believe it, but is it really, like... And God is saying, look, look at what's happening. And it's an open demonstration, and it was a gift to us to be able to watch Him get that. We've had other friends who have given away vehicles and received vehicles. Like brand spanking new vehicles. And uh, so we have seen like the hand of God show up again and again and again. Um, you know, last year, oh, no, 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 let me see. Uh, it's 2 Timothy 1.12. It says, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him to this day. The New American Standard Bible says, I am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him. Timothy is saying, I am persuaded. I am, I'm past believing and speaking. I'm not just believing and speaking my promises anymore. I have entrusted something to him. I've taken action and I've, I've had experiences and now I'm persuaded. And so what Timothy's saying in 2 Timothy 1.12, I know in whom I have believed. That is a place of like solid ground that God wants to bring us to in the realm of finances. 
that when we need breakthroughs, you know in whom you've believed. This is, a, this is sowing and reaping. This is a promise that is for every, everybody. The world understands it. You know, wealthy people that are secular in, in the world understand it. They know that, well, they, they'll call it good karma, that when we give something, it's something good's going to happen. They understand something is happening here, and so they do it. Sowing and reaping, it's a powerful thing. Um, you know, before I left um, on our journey this, this past week, I felt unusually inclined to pray Psalm 91 over this last Christmas trip because we were traveling from here to Branson, to Richardson, to, uh, to Comanche, to Brownwood, to Comanche, to uh, El Paso. Like we made a ridiculous trip just now, like where we've been. And I just thought, let's just read this out. So we, we pray over the house before we leave, you know, because we're not here. So we're praying over the house. Lord, we thank you. You guard your guard the house. We ask you to put angels at our, our doorposts and and just stand in opposition to aim, anybody that would try to steal from us. You know, we bless my vehicle. My vehicle's sitting outside. You know, nothing stolen out of the vehicle. Not the vehicle's not stolen. We get in the car. We bless the car, Father. We pray Psalm ninety one. We go through the entire Psalm ninety one, and we just declare it. Our kids will tell you we speak it out loud. We will travel to go visit our family, and we will return back safely. There'll be no accidents. We'll have no flat tires. There'll be no engine trouble. We will go and we will return safely. Speaking out that promise. Well, we go on the trip, take the action, and we had an experience. We didn't know that our tires were on the, down to the wire. And I don't know what I was thinking and not checking those tires. Somehow I managed to go on like a 2,000 mile trip and not check the tires. But I leave here. We traveled through from here to Big Springs for the night. Traveled from here, Big Spring to Branson. On tires with wire showing. Like, this is a problem. Like, th- that could have blown out at any point. And I just had a, had a brother that, uh, the truck in front of him had a blowout. And that it sent them into a horrible wreck, totaled his car. I mean, they came out alive, but it was hor- horrific. But that, that blowout could have happened at, at any point. Well, anyway, we, we do the full trip to Branson. We make it back down to Comanche. And on the way back to, to the place we were staying, we hit something in the road. We felt it. And we thought, oh, man, there's something on the road. And then we get out of the car. And we open the car. And we hear this sound. We thought, uh, that's not good. And so you're thinking there's, so it's a gash in your car. When you hear it like that, there's a problem. Well, I look down. I'm like, oh, man, there's, so... So the tire goes flat, and I wake up in the morning, and I, I put on a spare. I thought, well, we need to go. we got to go get a tire fixed before we go back. So I'm thinking, oh, man, i got, I got to shell out for a new tire at Christmas. That sucks, you know. And um, I'm going to shell out for a tire, uh, discount tire store, franchise, and, and Brownwood. We'll change it out. We'll get there, and I'm like, you know, let's look at both of these. And I see both of our tires are, like, down to the wire. And I said, oh, man, well, we, we better go ahead and change out both because, I mean, this is a big trip. we got to drive back eight hours home. Like, we don't need to risk it. We had no idea about the uh, snowstorm that was going to be outside San Elizario. Um, man, if we'd have hit that out there with those wiry tires, there's, there's no way we would have made it through that. Like, we would have blown out one of them. And we had a spare, but we, there was a second one. <laughs> and then after that, what do you do? You're just stuck. Yeah. And so, you know, we could have very well been just stranded in the snow the entire time. We, uh, we made it back from the trip. 
uh, this past weekend, and um, a few days for that. And um, we get home, and uh, Kayla's uh, my aunt sends Kayla a Venmo, and it's a Venmo message uh, for about ten dollars higher than the cost of our tires. And she said it's two hundred fifty bucks, and she just wrote one, one word with it. She said tires. And we thought, man, we had to shell out some cash to buy those tires for Christmas. And we got home, and the tires were paid for in full. And what that does for me, that that is a reminder, man, we are, that is obtaining the promise of God. That is living with the resource of heaven. That is Malachi 3, God saying, I will rebuke the devourer for you. I stand in opposition to the drain. Anyone ever felt the drain on your money? Like mm-hmm. you're building something and it feels like someone just pops the bottom out and it just is gone. That's what I was feeling like. Like, oh, man. And God is just saying, I got it covered. Now, I didn't talk to that. I still haven't talked to her. I'm going to call her. But uh, God is saying, like, I got you covered. Psalm 91, you didn't get stuck out in the snowstorm, but I've also got you covered that you pray over your tithe. You pray over, over what you sow into the kingdom, that it brings a harvest, that, that I rebuke the devourer for you. And I'm telling you, when we have stuff like that happen, the only thing I can say is this 2 Timothy 1.12, the second half, I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him. Like, we are convinced. Like, you couldn't talk us out of it. Like, we are convinced. We are persuaded. We have seen Psalm 91 happen again and again and again. I have seen the Father stand up and oppose the devourer for me. Again, again, and again. I've seen him supply everything I need according to his riches and glory. Was it it mine? He just showed up. This This is our journey of experiencing the promises in the realm of money. Uh, the last story I wanted to share was uh, a missionary um, was here, here here in El Paso. And he and his wife had been trying to have kids for a very long time. They had tried the in vitro. They had tried all the like, things that are out there that you do. And they kept trying, kept trying, kept trying. And um, anyway, he would share with me. He was actually my old neighbor back, back in uh, my hometown um, in Brownwood. But he would share with me, you know, the difficulty that they were happening, that that was going on. It was a very tender subject, you know, because they desired to have kids. And um, they began to pray about it. And he was working here as a missionary with another church. And so he thought, well, I need to make some extra money. So I'm going to start driving Uber. That was like right when Uber was taken off. And so he starts driving Uber. And driving Uber and he says, hey, Adrian, can we meet at Dunkin' Donuts or something? And I said, sure, let's meet up. And uh, he says, hey, listen, I, I was making this extra money um, for our, you know, because we needed it. This is for our family. But I really felt like we were supposed to tie this to you and Kayla. I thought, oh, wow, that's like kind of awkward. Like you're my buddy and that's kind of weird, but okay. But, um, and we weren't leading the church. You're just, just another person. I mean, it'd be like me walking up to Walter and say, hey, I'm going to tie to you, Walter, and just start giving you money. That's how it felt. Like it was kind of a little strange at first. And uh, I said, okay, I mean, you know, well, it's mission support, so that's great. Um, sure. And I said, you know, but I'm, would you believe with me for, 
for what, what we're going after. We're believing to have a child. And so what he was doing is he had a promise. He knew that he was called to be fruitful and multiply. He had been believing and praying for this. But then he took an action. And I want to say that this isn't, this isn't about us. This isn't, I'm, I'm showing the, telling you the principle in our journey and why we believe it. Because it's, it's happened to us. We've seen it in our life. So he starts to sow. He starts planting a seed. And after 15 years of trying to have a kid, for the first time in 15 years, his wife had a normal menstrual cycle. She had never, she'd tried to take all kinds of medications, but she was always regular or it wasn't like, I don't even know how it works. But it, it wasn't, uh, wasn't happening. But for the first time, she had a normal cycle. And boom, she got pregnant. She carried the kid full term. They have a child now. You know what they did? They had a promise. They believed and prayed over that promise. They took an action. They had an experience. And now they're persuaded, trust me. <laughs> they are persuaded that this works. And we watched it happen. We're like, oh my goodness. Um, I, I remember getting the phone call. I was in Mexico. And he called me to tell, call me on the phone. and said, she's pregnant. She's pregnant. Like, this like joy. Because they got it. They got the promise. And it hit them. And they're persuaded. And I thought, oh my goodness. This is... And so we celebrate with them. But that is so similar. I think the reason why this story is so powerful to me is because she never had a full cycle. And I think that's why a lot of people never experience the full promises of God. It's because they've never had a full cycle here. They've always stopped somewhere. Well, I'm believing for finances, but I've never believed and spoken over it. Or I'm believing my finances, I believe and spoke over it, but I don't take any action. Or, you know, when you don't hit those three points, your cycle is incomplete. You don't, you stop in part of the cycle. Like, you don't make it all the way around. You have to believe it and speak it. You have, and Peggy Joyce, you know, over in the Psalm 91 books, she says it very clearly. This is Peggy Joyce. She's on Sid Roth. She sends Psalm 91s all over the world, sent 300,000 Psalm 91s in the Warriors at the height of the, when it was a murder capital of the world, you know, send Joshua. That Peggy Joyce says that Psalm 91 does not work if you don't speak over it. Mm. <laughs> you know, like there is something to uniting your faith to the promise and then taking an action. And I'll tell you, that action, it looks different for everyone. In the realm of sowing and reaping, it's asking God, what do I need to sow and where do I need to sow it? And then planting in a timely manner. In the realm of tithe, you want to see the devourer rebuked for you? That's what you do. You tithe. And then speak over it and say, God, I thank you. You will rebuke the devourer for me. And you will open up the windows of heaven for me. That I will not have room enough to contain the blessing that you're going to pour out in my life. I speak over my tithe, and I'm going to receive it. And I'm telling you, we, we're, as a family, we receive it. Like we, we, we see the hand of God stand up and say no. And it's a powerful thing when you don't have to fight your battles. A lot of times we're trying to fight, fight off the devourer. But man, when you hand that responsibility off to God, and then you watch God do it for you, man, you feel loved by God. You just feel like a son, man. It just... God loves me. I could just say, it. God loves me. I'm a happy man. You know, God loves me. Like I can, I can feel His love. I can see when my father steps in and says no, and he fights on my behalf. I'm like, woohoo, go dad. He's doing it for me. You know, like that's 
It's a joy you feel. And so now when we're singing, you know, uh, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Like I can sing it with persuasion. I am a child of God. And the next time I sow, the next time I tithe, the next time we give or do alms or do something, the next time we do it, we do it with persuasion. And now this becomes like a snowball effect and you begin to tap into the promises of God in the realm of finances. If you're not a tither, man, you're missing out on daddy showing up fighting on your behalf. If you're not a sower and reaping, you're missing out on the harvest that comes. Because I mean, there, we needed that harvest coming back into Mexico. We needed it or we would not be in, in Mexico. But we planted the seed. And so we got it and God released it at the right times. It's a strange thing that, you know, tithing that you can give 10% and somehow with the 90 you have, you experience increase. It's a mystery. I don't understand it. It's just real. Ask anybody who's tithed for any period of time, is that really happening? They'll say, yeah, I had this much and I gave this much, but now it's like I have this much. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand why it, it does that. It's just real. And we've experienced it and we're persuaded of it. We are convicted of it. We are convinced of it. We te- we, when we go to, down to Kaleo, you know, and we, we, we share or speak at the headquarters, one of the things we usually try to hit before we leave is like, guys, you've got to tap into this. If you're going to make it in the mission field, if you're going to make it as people, if you're going to be a pioneer, you're going to lead, lead others, you have got to have this in your spirit. This is what we, te- it's, it's how we teach other people to live. Like our, our own kids, like we're equipping them with this stuff so that you can live your life and you'll see it show up on your behalf. So um, over the next few weeks, we're going to be going into more of the details of, of tithing, how tithing works of sowing and reaping, how sowing and reaping works, of almsgiving, of how alms works. Uh, and, and these types of, of giving, you know, giving in secret, giving in public. What does the Bible, what, what's that mean and why does it say that? Who's it speaking to? You know, we're going to talk about financial stewardship. We're going to give you some resources and some people that we pull from that give us a vision of not just to make it, but planning, thinking about investments in the future. That's what we're going after this month, and uh, I don't feel like we're missing it. I think this is exactly what we're supposed to be talking about now because we're going to need it the rest of the year. And uh, right now, I think with what's going on in the world, as believers, we need the promises or it's like sink or swim kind of situation. <laughs> you know, the, the world is, is kind of going like this, yeah. and so, but believers should be rising in this Amen. moment. Amen. And so let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Lord, I pray over us, God, that we would catch uh, the, the promises of God, that we would understand the cycle of the promises of God in our life and, and how, how it works, how we can have faith in your word, how we can step out in faith on what you've said, and how we can have an experience and thereby, have, uh, thereby be persuaded and convinced that we know in whom we believed. We love you, Father. We honor you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.